I'm glad you're going to join us and dig a little deeper into God's Word and find out what it has to say about covenants. Hello and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. First, I'd like to start off in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. It says, Get wisdom, get insight or understanding. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you do, get insight, get understanding. Verse 8 is worth adding as well. Speaking of wisdom here, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. How would these verses relate to our study on covenants? Well, let's take a look. Some people consider the covenants of the Bible to be in number of two or five or seven. Many look at it differently. Andrew Murray broke the covenants down into two, the Old and the New Testament, of which St. Augustine wrote, The Old Testament is revealed in the New, and the New Testament veiled in the Old. Or, the New is in the Old contained, and the Old is in the New explained. Either way, we will see that both the New and the Old Testaments are part of a whole and work together to reveal the covenants and show how they are fulfilled. Well, let's step back a moment. Have you ever even seen the word or noticed the word covenant in the Bible before? Deuteronomy Chapter 7, verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hates him. He will repay him to his face. That was verse 10. The covenants are the DNA strand that ties the whole book, God's plan, together. In a nutshell, God made man in their image. Man sinned, relationship was broken between God and man, and there was no way to live with God in his kingdom. God makes covenant with mankind to make a way for sin to be washed away and relationship to be restored, to make a way to live forever in his kingdom once again. If we are going to place our trust in God, then shouldn't we know who God is and what he is like? What he has done on our behalf? Who we are in Christ? And how we are to live in light of God's covenant promises? Why, yes, of course. A.W. Tozer, A.W. Tozer wrote, 
man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is as pure or as base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. In the introduction last week on covenants, I mentioned that a wedding is a good example of a covenant. Today we have another one, the making of a covenant. Travel back with me in time to ancient Hebrew ways of thinking. Put your thinking cap on. Put that Hebrew thinking cap on. The story of the Bible is the story of the Hebrew wife of God and the Gentile bride of Christ grafted into the Hebrews. The Abrahamic covenant is still relevant. Is it still relevant to us today? The Abrahamic covenant, is it still relevant to us today? It began as a blood covenant with Abram. God called himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob and ultimately the God of Israel. Through Jesus, we can all have access to salvation, the Jew and the Gentile. The Abrahamic covenant made new, better, translated as renewed in the Strong's, a primate root to be new, causatively to rebuild or renew or repair, is now a better covenant through Jesus Christ, according to Psalm 105, 7-11. The walk of blood done to seal covenant promises in Genesis 15, 9 through 10. Here's a couple of the highlights from that passage. Abram asks God, how do I know these things will come to pass? He asked in faith. Well, God reassured Abram by asking him to prepare a sacrifice of a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Five animals. The number five to the Hebrews represents grace. The animals were cut in two, and the covenant partner would walk in the middle of the animals himself, saying, May this be done to me if I do not keep my covenant oath. These two covenant partners were becoming one, as the animal was one. The animal represented the life of the covenant, the life of the covenant partner, and represented their willingness to give up their own lives and begin a new walk unto death. The covenant partners would hold hands and walk in a figure eight as they walked through the blood. The Hebrews would understand that the number eight symbolized infinity or never-ending or new beginnings. Do you remember how many souls were saved on Noah's Ark? Interesting. Yeah, that was eight as well. The animal's blood was a substitute for their own. Just like in the covenant of marriage, a blood covenant is a promise to give the other partner your life, your love, and your protection forever. In this covenant, God took the place of both partners in the form of a smoking oven and a burning torch, which represented the presence of God like on Mount Sinai. God swore, made the promise by himself, because there was none other greater than himself. There were other acts in the making of an ancient covenant. 
like the exchanging of garments, which signifies all that I own I give to you, and all that is yours is available to me. There was an example in First Samuel with David and Jonathan who exchanged robes and armor. The garment represents the person. And Jesus exchanged his white garment of righteousness for our rags of unrighteousness. In Revelation chapter 3, the church of Sardis and Revelation 19, the bride of Christ is dressed in white linen. That righteousness is not our own, but it comes from Christ. There's also another part of this covenant, an exchanging of belts. Your enemies become my enemies. In Ephesians chapter 6, in covenant with God, we promise to enter into spiritual warfare with him and battle God's enemies to our death. The belt also represents strength. There was a sign of the covenant circumcision in Genesis chapter 17. Compared to Ephesians 2, circumcision and uncircumcision now one body. Abrahamic circumcision was to remind the people that the seed of fruitfulness is from God. The new covenant partner's sign is the sign of a circumcised heart. In Hebrews 10.16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. There was also an exchanging of names. God took on the covenant names, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. Covenant partners are now known by each other's names, who think and talk and act alike, an implied power of attorney. Jesus took on the name Son of Man, and we took on the name Christian. A few points on establishing the covenant. Some commentators say the Torah was Greekified and turned from being called instruction of God's doctrine to law. Of course, some disagree with that too. We can see, however, that the Torah is far beyond the law and includes instruction on pleasing God. God said, I will never break my covenant with you, Judges 2.1. Some say the New Testament has replaced the Old Testament. If the law or the instructions of the Old Testament are done away with, why do we find it being taught from after the second coming of Christ in Micah 4, verses 1 and 2? On eating of the covenant meal, the Lord sent Melchizedek to eat a meal with Abram and to bless him. This was a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Messiah in Genesis chapter 14. The bread represented the bodies the wine, the blood. Even today, Middle Eastern countries use the covenant meal to ratify a treaty or a covenant. They may shake hands on a deal, but it will not be honored unless the covenant meal is shared. The Passover is a picture to us of Jesus as the Passover lamb. For us today, the communion ceremony. The memorial, covenant reminder to the partners and their descendants forever. Plant a tree or a stone and sprinkle it with the blood of the covenant. This was a memorial set forth due to the covenants.
Let's step back one more time for a deeper meaning of the word covenant. Because today we live a life in the time of contracts. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word was berith, to cut and pass between the flesh and the blood. The covenant idea came from God in the original language, as I explained earlier where those that were part of the covenant passed through the animal's flesh in the pattern of of an eight or infinity. For the Greeks, there had to be a new word that was created because their mind was influenced already by the new world, by the Greeks. The only word similar in meaning was sunteki, I think it's pronounced that way, based on legal equality of parties. The idea of God's priority in covenant was absent in the Greek language, so they had to come up with a new word for it. Hebrew and Greek were translated to Latin, to the King James English, as covenant. Today we use covenant or promise interchangeably, and some even use testament in its place, although there is a difference to the Hebrew or the Greek-influenced mind. Modern English, um, covenant or promise, is made by the living. In modern English, last will and testament are directions to be carried out on behalf of a dead person. So there's a little bit of as, oh, what was his name? It was an English pastor that spoke of the degreasing of the church. He said the Old Testament was finished by 400 BC, although not all canonized until 100 BC, with Malachi being the last prophet with writings of thus saith the Lord. God is now silent during the second time for 400 years. The first time was 400 years in Egypt. During this time, the Greeks wrote much to influence the world with their philosophy. The books of the Apocrypha were also written during this time influenced by the Greek philosopher Socrates. He was accused, you know you know him, I'm sure you do, accused of corrupting the youth with his teachings. He was condemned to death by drinking hemlock. He waxed eloquent on dying that death was a great release. The next 400 years, the entire New Testament is written beginning with James in A.D. 40 to Revelation A.D. 80 to 90s, as God once again speaks through man. Zacharias, in fact, was the first to hear after 400 years in Luke chapter 1, and that's an interesting chapter. Anyway, these are important to note because the effects of Greece on our modern-day thinking have uh, changed our idea of what a contract and what a covenant would be. The Greeks actually affected quite a bit of our culture and our philosophy. Uh, Greek architecture gave us porticos, democracy. In sports, they influenced us by, that was an obsession of the Greeks. Entertainment was as well, debates, theater, leisure time. Leisure time is a big thing. Values, our morals and values came from them. And um, a lot of our schools are teaching from this point of view. God says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Our thoughts shape our behavior, our lifestyle, and our character. And that's what the Hebrews were influenced by, God's word and his way of thinking. The Hebrews worked six days. They rested on the seventh. No, democracy was not mentioned in the Bible. Bodily exercise profits little. To the Hebrews, death is an enemy. Ignorance or disregard to God's word makes one very vulnerable to temptation. That's why we are to hide God's word in our heart so that we will not sin against our God. We can be easily influenced. That's why it's important to hide that word in our hearts to check all of our actions, our motives, our ideas, our thoughts, and check it against God's word. Now that we've looked through a bit of the background of covenants, as far as the Bible is concerned, next time we gather together, I'll be sharing from the point of view of all seven covenants, starting with the Edenic, Adamic, Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, and then the Messianic. And we'll see how they intertwine and how they affect our lives. If you'd like, this week, pick up your Bible and look through it for a word search for covenant and see what you can find. Don't take my word for it. Check out the Bible and see what it has to say on covenants. Thanks so much for listening to Moments with Moni during this special series of The Covenant Stories. If you enjoyed this information, your moments here, please share it with friends and family. And then join me over on Facebook in the private community group on Moments with Moni so we can continue the conversation. You say